Clap, clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands podcast, hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Clap Your Hands podcast brought to you by Odyssey Sports. Make sure you're downloading that Odyssey app. Get all the new episodes first. Get all our NBA coverage and our Eagles coverage, too, on the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Sports Radio 94 WIP. Brought to you by a guy that I feel like I have not talked to in a while. I haven't seen in a while. He's been <laughs> off gallivanting in, uh, in Vegas. Kyle Newbeck. What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, just recovering from the... Time zone shift, among other things, you know, lots of late nights in the desert, but uh, we're here and we're still waiting on a James Harden trade or at least a, a new trade rumor. Some things never change. So you didn't you didn't see Harden in Vegas then? He wasn't out. There no, you know, I uh, feel like we probably wouldn't be in the same sections of uh, the various establishments of- there. Regardless, I think. He's in a different tax bracket than I'm in, so I would imagine that he has his own little yeah. roped-off sections and what have you. You're not buying the same size bottle, not not the same bottle service as uh, as Uno? I mean, uh, the bottles, I think, are all the same size. <laughs> it's a matter of what price you want to get up to, and I, I would imagine his taste is a little more, we'll say, refined than mine. Yes. So I do have one more Vegas question. Then I will obviously we have some Sixer stuff to get into. We haven't recorded in probably a week, week and a half. So there is some stuff that has happened, but what's your take on Vegas? So I went there for an Eagles Raiders game a few years ago. Granted, it wasn't for a bachelor party. I would imagine the scene is very different for a bachelor party than, than an Eagles game, but I wasn't as blown away with it. Like you hear about it so much and you see it in movies and stuff. I don't know. I thought it was cool, but like, I don't know if I'll go back. Well, what, what's your Vegas take? Tell me how to do Vegas the right way. So we did a little bit of everything. I think probably helped. We did, you know, like pool party sort of deal on Friday. Mm-hmm. So it's outdoors and there's a DJ and it's lots of drinking. And like, that's a cool environment, especially with a group of people like a bachelor party. Mm-hmm. We did a really nice dinner on Friday night. And I think that would be, like as an adult and not a you know like 21 year old that's going there and just like oh oh, oh, vegas get hammered for four straight days yeah yeah and look there's plenty of drinking on our trip i do think (laughs) that going there's like tons and tons of great restaurants there Mm -hmm. a lot of them maybe they're places that are in other cities like new york or la that you haven't been to or aren't going to go to and you can kind of fold it into this trip and so that's a thing that i appreciate about the couple of times i've been there is that i've had a couple of the best meals i think i've ever had while you're out there uh old vegas is very cool we went to fremont street which is where all the it's like binions where they used to have the world series of poker yep there's the golden nugget there's the plaza which is where like sinatra used to perform and it's got the whole big facade outside yeah that's what i was asking i remember going to a street where like it's a whole block but on top of the block is like a massive kind of screen if i remember correctly yeah that's fremont street yeah okay yeah i thought that was pretty cool yeah and you can also gamble much cheaper there like they have some five dollar craps and blackjack tables Mm -hmm. and things like that and so that that's a little more appealing on the weekend as compared to being 
on the strip. Are you, a, like, are you a big gambler? What's your game of choice? I'm a big craps guy. That's because okay. one, you have better odds than basically every other game that you can play there. Mm-hmm. Two, you're all, all the people at the table are sort of rooting for one another. And so when someone gets on a roll, it's just way more fun than like, oh, this guy's hitting blackjack or whatever right. over and over again. You can look at that as like, man, that was my card that I needed. <laughs> Whereas craps is this big table shared experience that you all essentially want the same things. And so that's what I like playing, whether I'm good at it or not and know all the intricacies or not is a different story but it's absolutely the most fun i think so this might not surprise you but i'm a terrible gambler because i am very bad at how hiding how i feel like whenever i play poker (laughs) if i get a good hand you can tell right away it's like poker's different too like there's way more strategy there yeah there's strategy and it's also like you have to protect yourself from other people. Whereas mm-hmm. blackjack, the cards are just on the table. You're just saying, I need a seven or I need a, a 10. or it's, There's no real mystery to it. You don't have to fool anybody. You just have to get your number. So that that part, I understand. If you're an emotional gambler, then cards are probably not the thing for you. No. So speaking of all the cards on the table and speaking of having to kind of maybe have a poker face... Joel Embiid tweeted while you were gone. I'm sure you saw. I can't imagine you didn't get this uh, this news. Joel Embiid tweeted, I believe it was LOL, and then they finally got it right, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't know where you were when this happened. Uh, I guess you'd probably be in Vegas because it was Friday night, I believe he, uh, he, he tweeted it. Um, for some context, it was during the Trey Turner ovation. We're going to get into that uh, in a minute. But I guess my initial question for you would just be like Vegas aside, where I'm sure you probably uh, saw the tweet and, you know, had had a bunch of different thoughts and maybe a little inebriated. But like, what do you think these tweets mean? I mean, is it like what's the Kyle Newbeck read on the Joel Embiid tweets? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I didn't even realize that tweets happened until like a day or two later. Okay. I believe they so you're good off while... your phone. Oh, I was fully like immersed with my friends. Nice job. And... I think that actually, so it was nighttime here, obviously, probably late afternoon. Yeah, it was probably like five o'clock, something like that. I think we were on our way home to take a nap before dinner. So that shows you how much I was thinking about. Yeah, Yeah. it's not, I didn't see the whole reaction everybody had to it. But, and in fact, I didn't know the Trey Turner thing happened until. Wow, you really have been off the grid, man. You go to Vegas, get on that craps table and it's like, uh, like nothing's happening. Well, that's kind of the whole thing, right? Is you're not allowed to have your phone out at the table for security reasons. Oh, and then, true. That, be- and then that becomes, you're just not thinking to look at your right. phone also. But it's also, you're in a, a room full of flashing lights and noises, and it's designed to make sure that you're staying there as long as possible. Mm-hmm. So my delayed reaction to it was, again, I don't have a problem with him poking fun a little bit. It's just a, a question of, do you really think this is the smart thing to do right now, buddy, to like antagonize people a little bit? Because as we've seen, and as I'm sure we'll see when I look at the comments and reply to our stream, right? this is a situation where he and the team are not getting any benefit of the doubt. And everyone mm-hmm. is mad 
about every single thing they do because nothing's changed. It's the same old team. I saw people today tweeting about, you know, they wish there was a WNBA team so that they could pay attention to a different professional basketball team. Makes sense. In Philadelphia. And so Joel can continue trolling and, you know, weighing in on these things. But I would caution him against saying too much to, you know, get under the skin of Philadelphians right now. So my opinion on it is is multi-layered. Um, my first opinion, as always when he does this, is like, Joel, you are the face of a, like a billion dollar franchise, of a major, major business. You are the face of the franchise. You get paid to be the face of the franchise. Like, stop with just the tweeting to LOL and just tweet. Like, we shouldn't every time you tweet have to be looking up whether there's a bike race or a tennis race or some soccer match going on. A tennis like, race. I didn't know they raced. Tennis race. Tennis. Yes, my bad. Yes, yes. A tennis match, I should say. It's just like, if you're going to tweet, man, just say what it's about. Like not everybody is tweeting about it. And so what happens is when he does this, especially during the Trey Turner thing, it's perceived as if it is involved in the Trey Turner thing. So we should start this by saying, we don't know if this is involved with what was happening with Trey Turner because Joel makes it purposely ambiguous. He makes it so you don't really know what he's talking about. He's done this before and he does it so that if it goes over poorly, he can just explain it away or he can just never explain it at all. So it's annoying when he does this, when he does the like LOL and no one knows what he's talking about. We all have to guess. And then if you think it's something negative, you're being a hater. Like it's just, it's not fun anymore, Joel. And you know what? Maybe it's not fair that you can't just tweet ambiguous things. Like everyone should be able to tweet what they want. I get it. But if you, if you're going to be the face of the franchise at this time in this period with this team, you, I just think he has to be a little more responsible with how he tweets like the, the vague stuff, man. I just, he really has to get past it. Well, he's not going to. So All right. well, there, there I think you're 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 asking for something that simply isn't going to happen. I think is the so so then there there's the second part of it. If he's going to tweet ambiguous things, and if he's going to like whatever, then people are gonna correlate it to what they want. If you're not gonna be clear what you're talking about, people are gonna correlate it to what they want. And the timing of it during the Trey Turner thing made it seem like he was he was either laughing at the Trey Turner thing in terms of saying, this is so dumb, I can't believe you guys are doing this. He was either laughing that Turner got out, being like, you gave the standing ovation, you didn't, you know, he didn't even hit a home run. Or it was a sarcastic LOL, like, why don't you treat me like this? Is that like a fair interpretation of what the LOL could have meant? Sure. And I think if you're looking at it through the lens or through the perspective of Joel Embiid, Think about his level of production versus Trey Turner. Yeah. And the lack of grace that I think Joel has gotten for admittedly a higher profile, higher impact failure and repeated failures is I I think the important thing here, right? In the playoffs. And we can sit here and point to the injury history and how that it's impacted his play and production in the playoffs. But like ultimately people see, you consistently have not gotten results when the lights have been the brightest and Mm -hmm. they're pissed. They're frustrated. Whereas Trey Turner has a history of production and his failures right now are just, well, this guy has stunk it up and has lost confidence in the regular season. And they look at it. I think the fans anyway, as we need to help this guy get his confidence back. Like this is not, 
a lost cause and he's had this track record that is very good. It's the reason he signed this monster contract that he signed in the offseason. And if we get behind him now, then maybe that pays off down the road and maybe that pulls him out of this funk and so on and so forth. And I think that's a look, that's a commendable approach to take. But I think if you're Joel Embiid, you say, I just want a fucking MVP. Mm-hmm. And I've been runner up for multiple years and I've been an all-star all NBA guy for your team, not for other teams. But when I fall down and I fail, there's no sense of grace for him. It's a lot of piling on and you're the problem and you've been the guy here the whole time. And so I get that. I get how he feels. I don't think that the fans care how he feels in that respect, but I can understand if that's what he's getting at. That's an emotion that I think I would feel. Yeah. So uh, one of the other things that's come off the Trey Turner thing since then is like, well, why not give one to Aaron Nola? Like Aaron Nola struggled. Why not give him a standing ovation? And although Embiid is obviously way better at his job than Aaron Nola is, I think there are some parallels between Embiid and Nola in the way that they've both been here a long time. They're both viewed as not being good in big games. Fair not. I think Embiid is better in big games than Nola is. But I also think also just athletes. straight up better than Aaron. Yeah, Nola just straight up better. Their exactly. respective like, sports. Exactly. A hundred percent. Embiid is way better at basketball than Nola is at pitching. But I think that the comparison to me is there is a frustration with both of them that is built up over time. People are frustrated with Nola for age is not being as good, but like bad starts in big spots, all that stuff. People are frustrated with Embiid because although everyone acknowledges is he is he is really good, they've not been out of the second round, perceived lack of success in certain playoff rounds from him specifically. So there's a built-up frustration. What I think is interesting about the standing ovation for Trey Turner is I think it's directly tied to the fact that he is new. I think they're doing it because it's a new deal. They want to show support. He's perceived as trying, which we can get into in a second. And so it's like, hey, man, like you're new to the town. We're going to show you support. What I would ask you and maybe like rhetorically ask is, shouldn't that be saved for people that you have a longer relationship with? Like Embiid and Nola have been here for a really long time. They have Nola pitched in the World Series. Embiid won MVP here. He helped take this team. I mean, he was one of the reasons the process started, but also he took this team out of the process to being a perennial contender. So it's just interesting to me that while I was supportive of the Trey Turner ovation, I think it made sense. I think it's me personally, like I'm very bad at being mean to people. So I'm always much more of like the standing ovation type, but it is interesting how Trey Turner gets it. But like Aaron Nola and Joel Embiid don't, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And look, I, I think this is something to keep in mind down the road for, there are all these people who are saying Tyrese Maxey's untouchable. We They can't trade him for, Damian Lillard or Giannis or whoever else. And then he signs a big money extension next off season. Then the burden of expectations is on him. He's no longer, Oh, young guy on a rookie deal. This is fourth, fifth year player on a big contract who needs to produce. And then all of a sudden he misses a shot or doesn't make a play in a big game or his defense is holding them back in some way. And the conversation starts to change. Like he will have earned lots of grace with his play and his personality, his work mm. ethic, all that stuff. But eventually everybody reaches a point in this, the athlete cycle that unless they win a title or unless they are perceived to be 
overachieving or, or hitting their exact ceiling and, and nothing less, then people are going to get mad eventually. And eventually the grace runs out. You're not going to get the, as we're referring to it as the Trey Turner treatment for forever. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think your point about like, just the grace runs out. Joel has been here long enough where he's not going to get standing ovations and he's not like the, at this point, it's just pure frustration. I mean, you look at Bryce, like Bryce Harper, since he's been here, Bryce has had, you know, one good year. Then there was the COVID year wins MVP, but really up until last, like two weeks before the season or two days before the season, he hadn't been to the playoffs. And I think you could, you know, argue back and forth. Like, is it a success? Has it not been a success? But he received very little criticism compared to Joel Embiid. I do think there is part of Joel, and the tweet shows this, that feels he has been treated unfairly by Philadelphia. But I'm also not sure that's true. Like, Joel has gotten a ton of support from Sixers fans. Um, You know, I think everybody had his side over Ben Simmons. Uh, Brett Brown's been fired. Ben's been traded. Doc's been fired. Uh, Hinky was forced out. Like, Colangelo... Joel has been here through all of this. And so I think he, while he is, he has gotten support. I don't, I don't agree with him that he's been treated unfairly by Philly fans. Like maybe right now they're super mad at him because of what happened, but I don't think that he deserves to take like a lap of, Oh, so you treat Trey Turner better than me. Yeah. Well, especially because if you go back, this is like the first time I think he has felt the weight of their playoff failures. It's always been, somebody or something else right it's brett brown he can't coach it's his fault that they can't beat this team in 2019 well as soon as draw came off the floor their backup center is they're bleeding points they didn't have a good enough roster they're not deep enough then ben simmons is hurt it's still brett brown he's at fault they fire brett brown then it's ben simmons's colossal meltdown in the hawk series then the year after that, it's well, Joel was hurt and James just got here. And this is the fr- and look, you can make the excuses again. You can say he's hurt. You can say this. You can say that. But I think at this point, the fans are just sick of having to come up with an excuse or an explanation for why this guy can't get it done. And mm-hmm. look, I think that's that's fair to a certain extent. Right. I think people were patient or not everybody, but there are a lot of people who were patient with the whole rebuilding process in the first place, right? And there were plenty of critics, including at WIP and including, you know, places that I've written and worked in the last 10 years or so that were not sympathetic. They said, this is a stupid plan and a stupid idea. And this guy's a bozo and this isn't going to work and blah, 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 blah. And they got a lot of patience from other people, a lot of younger people, a lot of people, like you and I who grew up around the same time and said, yeah. you know, this team has been horrible or mediocre for or irrelevant. Most, try the worst right, word to say. Yeah. <laughs> most of our lives. So you might as well take a chance on doing something different. And now these people are justifiably saying we afforded you plenty of time to sort this out. They've gone through multiple coaches. They've gone through many configurations mm-hmm. in the front office, which Look, it's not the fault of Joel Embiid that they went from Hinky to Colangelo to Elton to now Daryl. To Brett. That, yeah, Brett. You know, yeah, Brett and a little bit of a shadow front office yeah. within there. So, yes, that's not Joel's fault that all of that happens. But I understand why the fans are there. They say, 
you guys need to get this right. Like there's no more excuses for this. The process is now literally 10 years ago. Started 2013. We are a decade removed from it. And they have still not gotten past game seven of the second round. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting with Joel where you can sit here and very rationally make an argument as to why he is not to blame for all this. But then he is like the face of it. And I understand the emotional part from fans, both like the hardcore fans that maybe can rationally explain it, but also have frustration. But I think amongst the casual fans, it's very easy to take it out on him. And he doesn't help himself with things like this. And I think another difference between like, there's been a lot of Ben Simmons talk this week too, which I'm sure you were mad you were in Vegas for, but a lot of uh, Ben Simmons talk with like, I didn't you know, even, we, I have not been aware of any Ben Simmons talk. So that makes you very happy okay. to, that I missed all of it. Yeah. You missed out on that. Like, uh, you know, saying, you know, we showed Ben support at first with the jump shot. And I do think, Ben got a lot of support from Sixers fans initially. I think that last year it certainly turned ugly. Then he requests a trade. At that point, he's a net. So we don't know how Sixers fans. I might mean, have even within Hawk series in Game Seven, people are like encouraging him. Yes, at the free throw line. I I think, and that to me is what I would say to Joel. It's like you've seen this exact fan base, not the Philadelphia fan base. The Sixers fan base mm-hmm. step up in a moment that is similar to the Trey Turner thing, right? I think you could also go back to Markel Fultz and what he went through, where he's clearly fighting both physical and mental issues that are impacting his play on the floor. And the fan base rallied around him to the point that not only did they applaud him for just being like a basketball player, not even a good one, just being on the floor, yeah. they also came at us as media members for trying to dig more into, you know, what's going on with you and not in a malicious way. We're trying to see, you know, Markel, you haven't been, you've been out of sight, out of mind for months at a time. What's going on. And the fans essentially said, we don't even want you to ask him. Don't, don't even bring it up, leave the kid alone. And so I think Joel has seen, this is a fan base that will protect guys that will speak up. will cheer. will circle around them. And I think that's to the credit of Sixers fans and Philadelphia fans generally. And what I don't think maybe has clicked for him is that you are not that guy anymore that can get the sympathy of a rising player, a rising star. You are an MVP, face of the franchise, super max contract player, and fans are going to demand and expect the absolute best out of you Every single moment you are on the floor and off the floor as a representative of this team. Well, and and I think that shows a the fact he doesn't hasn't fully grasped that maybe in the way he tweets. But the other thing that was said a lot this week, which I I want to react to, is well Trey Turner's trying really hard. Right, like Trey Turner is in the batting cage every night till midnight, and Trey Turner's never had his effort questioned. I think all that's true about Trey Turner. I, it seems like he is genuinely going through a really rough stretch, which is why I supported the ovation. I'm sure he's trying really hard. It's probably really hard on him mentally to have this new contract. All those things are true. What I don't like is when people say with Joel, well, Joel doesn't try as hard. Or, you know, Joel, like, gave up in Game 7. And certainly in Game 7, I think the, the appearance was, like, a lack of effort. But to say that Joel, like, hasn't tried throughout his career or that – you know, Trey Turner tries harder than Joel Embiid, I think is is ludicrous. Like Joel has come back from multiple injuries. 
And I do think we'll leave James Harden out of this for now. But with Joel, I don't believe the games where he plays poorly is a lack of effort. I think it is a he gets in his own head and just can't get out of it. And I think that's an important distinction to make from like the perception that he's just sitting on the bench or just like running up and down the court, not trying. I think it's like really hurting him that he's playing poorly. He just doesn't know how to snap out of it. So when it comes to like giving an ovation to someone that's trying really hard, I'm not saying give Joel an, an ovation in game one. That That's not what I'm saying. But Joel also deserves to like get picked up when he's down like Trey does. Like I don't think Joel, outside of the annoying tweets, has been like disrespectful to the fan base or shown an extreme lack of effort or anything like that. Like I do believe Joel wants to succeed in his sport just as much, if not more, than than Trey Turner. So if, if the if the argument for the ovation is he's trying hard, he needs like a hug, like all those things, I think Joel probably needs it too. Joel just had the worst playoff loss of his life in some ways, being this close to being out of the first uh, out of the second round and not getting it. Like if anyone needs an emotional pick me up right now. And if the argument is the fans benefit from it, like Joel could certainly use one too. Yeah, I just think you're you're just not going to get that. No, hundred percent. Right? Like yeah, yeah. And I do think there have been there have been effort issues at times throughout his career. I think that was more the first couple of years, and I don't think that's unique to him as a big man. I think if you go back and look at most of the great big men in history motivation ends up being a pretty central part of the story of like how good mm -hmm. they are or are not like Shaq is probably the perfect example, right? One of the most dominant players ever, if not the most dominant when he's at his absolute best, but all kinds of concerns at basically all times, whether he's going to be healthy during a season, whether he like gives a shit at a current time, there were times when he was in LA where instead of getting an off season surgery, he waited until basically yeah. training camp to have procedures done. And was like, well, who cares? The, like the regular season doesn't really matter. And maybe Sixers fans would like Joel to take that approach. If that's, uh, yeah. if that gets to the playoff results <laughs> that they got, but the other side of it is also that Shaq had Kobe to pick him up when he played poorly or had an issue or, teams figured out they had to hack him constantly. Like one of the things that I remember from the 01 finals is that Shaq fouled out of one of those games in Philly. And that was like, oh man, the Sixers can go up yeah, in this series or like yep. make this a real series. And then Kobe plays well down the stretch. Robert Ory hits a big three and Lakers take control of the series back. And so he did get that to, I would say to a pretty great extent in the Celtics series with, Harden picking him up in that game one that he didn't play in. And then he plays poorly in another game and Harden has an ins another insane 40 plus point game. It's a, a game winner in overtime. And that's just a, that was a carry job. That's what he has mm -hmm. needed or asked for or wanted over these last few seasons. And so I think the reply from fans and people who are saying, we're not going to give you Trey Turner type treatment is that, he now has what he is needed and what if he is MVP level Embiid, then he ha has had the things that he needs to compete for a title and to potentially win a title. And it's him falling short. That's yeah. the problem. And I think that's why you're not going to see him get much of a, uh, 
a pickup from the crowd anytime soon. No, I mean, at this point, I think they might be booed opening night. You know, they have a lot of time between now and then to win back the graces of the fan. I mean, this is the closest I've ever seen another athlete be treated like the quarterback of the Eagles, just with like all the spotlight right on them, all the responsibility right on them, all the wins, losses directly tied right to them. And in some ways it's fair. Like Joel has, besides Jalen Hurts, the most impact on his team winning probably than any other player in the sport. Right. I mean, baseball, the reality of the sport is Trey Turner doesn't impact it as much as Joel does. So I understand the uh the the frustration and the focus directly on Joel, even if much like games where if the Eagles lose, look, look at the Super Bowl, 38-35 or whatever. Like Jalen played great, had a lot of great things. Defense wasn't great, but Joel, I mean Joel, but Jalen has the fumble. So I think Joel is just living in a world now where he is gonna have that spotlight on him hardcore. Um other good news is not that that's good news, but not much else happened while you were gone, man. So outside <laughs> of the, uh, the Trey Turner thing, there's just a few news and notes I want to get into, um, before we wrap this one up, probably going to be a short one. Um, we can start with the, so the Montrezl Harrell news happened. It feels like an eternity ago, but we have not talked about it since, uh, it did happen. Um, my thoughts on it quickly are like, I didn't really think he was going to play that much this year. So it is obviously unfortunate for him uh, personally. You never want to see anybody get hurt for his career. This feels like a, a pretty hard blow to it. You know, you hope that he comes back and is, and is fully healthy and able to regain his career. But for the Sixers, I mean, I don't know. He wasn't really going to play. I guess it's a burned roster spot, but is it uh, like, uh, you like put him on IR? Like what, how, can they get the spot back? I mean, in theory, they could just cut him, I guess, yeah. because the deal's guaranteed regardless. So I guess the thought would be you let him rehab in your facility and do all that as like a courtesy. And my, honestly, my only analysis or thought coming out of that was that, as you said, I think this is a big career defining moment for him. I would Mm -hmm. say, I think it's almost at the point where I think he may have played his last NBA game, right. Where he was already a guy that, people were surprised they brought him back on him or angry. I should say they brought him back on a minimum contract, which that should tell you a lot about where people think he is as a player right now. So for him to have fallen that far and then suffer a pretty devastating injury where he's going to miss an entire season. And then he comes back and he's going to be what 31, 32, Mm -hmm. something like that coming off of that major injury, having already declined physically and from a production standpoint, I, I would say that I feel for him just in the sense of now it seems like he's not potentially going to be able to end his career on his own terms. And that's like always a really unfortunate thing. Like the thing you would hope for every athlete, which is obviously not the case, is that they're able to play for as long as they want and or need to. And I'm not sure that's going to be the case for him after this. Yeah. And so... Look, I think everyone can agree as much as there was anger that he was brought back. No one wants to see him hurt. Um, from the Sixers perspective, though, what what's your thought on this? Like, do you think they'll cut him? Do you think they'll carry him? I mean, he wasn't going to play again. So, like, I don't know how much it actually impacts the roster, but the roster. I, th- I think I they'll think. carry him for a bit. I think it's a an, an obvious candidate if they need to make roster space for some sort of future transaction. Mm-hmm. that that's a guy you cut, right? Like you're not going to cut someone that might actually play for the team. And I would say optimistic timeline. 
he comes back and is available to play in like May. Oh, I'm which, sure that'll go over well. Sits out yeah, all year, right. comes back. He's just going to like join <laughs> yeah. the rotation in the right. playoffs as they lose in the second round again. Right. I don't think that's going to happen or that that's a, a thing that you want. So yeah, I think for now, what I've heard or what I would guess is that he'll stick around, he'll get his surgery, he'll be able to rehab in the team facility and what have you. And then maybe if it comes down to it later and he's at a better point where he doesn't necessarily need to be with you know, the Sixers specifically, he can mm-hmm. carry on his rehab somewhere else. Then I think it becomes an obvious, like, yeah, you can move on from him. Oh, interesting. I didn't think of the angle of like being around the team and having the surgery. That that makes a lot of sense. Um, The last thing is, and I feel like we've started every pod for the past two months starting with this, and you can tell this is really a nothing update when we're ending it. <laughs> But there was some reporting this morning um, about James Harden and the Clippers, as well as a small Damian Lillard update, too, if you even want to call it that. Uh, I'll recap it quickly for those that didn't hear it. Breaking news. You didn't miss any breaking news. Um, James Harden, uh, the news was that, I guess, the Sixers and the Clippers will talk again at some point. I think that's kind of like a duh. Of course, they were going to talk again. And then with Damian Lillard, it was the Heat feel they're going to be able to put together a package of four first round picks as well as uh, some young players and expiring contracts. So look, not really big updates, but I guess I'll toss it to you, uh, our, our Sixers insider and see, uh, you know, if you have any thoughts on any of that. There's just nothing happening in August. Yeah. Is the, yeah. what that report tells me, you know, look, I still, I don't know if James Harden is going to get traded at this, this point. My guess is still yes. At the end of the day, they're not going to want to deal with this the whole season. And it's just better to get it over with. But we've seen Daryl Morey do this dance before. And in a different scenario, admittedly, with the three years of Ben Simmons' contract that they had some wiggle room on and so on and so forth. But I just, I don't know how you can go through this again, especially like set aside the basketball component of it. We're talking about the fan reaction and how people feel right now. You think if they bring back this exact same team and James Harden is throwing a fit and causing problems that people are going to want to come to these games? Like then, then we're talking about a scenario where people might just say fuck this and not buy tickets. Like I'm not, I can't sit here and tell you whether they will or won't, but if if you're already mad at the Sixers and one of the two best players on the team, one, two most important players on the team essentially just says, I don't give a shit anymore and starts actively sabotaging the team and not trying. I could easily see a situation where, Eagles are running hot. The Phillies are in the playoffs and the Sixers are playing in front of some like half yeah. to two thirds capacity. 8,000, Absolutely. A hundred percent. I'm not yeah. saying it's a super likely, but it's, it's definitely within the realm of possibility. And so that's a thing that I know that the organization will keep in mind. I don't think that's what will drive Daryl Morey to make a trade or not. Like, I, I just don't think that that's how he, operates and in fact i think if it got to that point where he's feeling pressure from that sense i think he would leave the sixers before he made a trade that was like we got to put butts in the seats or whatever like i i don't think that that's how he views things 
But I do think that there are going to be people in that organization who are looking at this like, we need to have some sort of thing to sell to the fan base. And right mm-hmm. now, I, what is it? Pat Beverly, you're going to play. Paul Reed is going to be uh, on off the cover of Pascal the, yeah. Siakam or whatever. Yep. I don't think so, man. Those, that is not a sales pitch. So the one thing I do think I believe more and more, the more time passes and the more I think about it is, I don't know if James Harden's going to be traded. I don't know where I would fall on. I guess I'd probably lean. I'd probably lean no, but I'd be 55-45 on it or 51-49. What I do think I have almost 100% confidence is, I agree with you on the the Maury thing. I do not think he will make a trade that is either not for a star or is not made with the intention of getting another star. So as much as we can sit here, and I think it's true, like opening night could be frustrating, all those things. It just would shock me if by the time New Year's rolls around or Christmas or the trade deadline, if we're not sitting here talking about the Sixers as a team with a legit chance to win a title. Because when you have Joel, you have Maxi, you have Nurse, and you have a trade piece like Harden or Harden, I don't see as much as like the future cap space has been a talking point and all those things. I don't see them punting on it. I just don't think it's in Maury's blood to punt on an entire season. I almost did it with Ben, but I actually think that speaks to his stubbornness of making sure he gets a star as opposed to a willingness just to do a deal with, with, with punting on the season in, in mind, which is what you'd be doing if you don't get a good return. So we shall see. The time uh, shall continue to – we'll sit here and I'll look at all these updates and tweets. You are going to another time zone, so you won't be getting uh, Joel's tweets again. Uh, when do you you leave uh, Wednesday, right? For, I leave I say Wednesday I mean, evening, and I'm gone for a couple of weeks. So you guys will Australia, have to deal right? without it. Yeah, I'm going to the land of Ben Simmons. Yeah. Oh, this isn't work-related? You're not going to go down there and uh, do a little feature on Ben? No. No, no. I've, I'm, I've done my – my time with Ben. So yeah, I I'm, think you've, uh, uh, you, you put in the hours with Ben needless. To say. I'm going to go see a lot of, you know, cool stuff in Australia and we'll see uh, what I have to report in a couple of weeks on that experience. Excited for it. Australia is high up on my bucket list. It's like really want to go to Italy. Always wanted to go to Barcelona and uh, Australia is right there with it too. So I'm very excited to hear about it. Uh, Obviously, be checking your Instagram. If you don't follow Kyle on Instagram, I'm sure up great Australia uh, <laughs> content for you from the land down under. Um, until then, we will do other episodes. We'll try to get some special guests, keep some Sixers content going. Who knows? Maybe Harden will be traded while you're gone. We'll be doing a... Uh, a that would be classic version. Sixers to make sure that I'm on vacation while they Exactly. Do. Exactly. So um, enjoy your trip. Once again, thank you to everybody that's still listening, especially during these off-season episodes. And uh, Kyle, I'll talk to you next time. Talk to you guys soon.